What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is a huge one. You were listening to episode 102. We have passed the draft. We are in the middle of, and I mean, it's hard Big to say. things popping. Yeah, it's hard to say middle of free agency because it's literally like day five and there's still big moves happening, whereas most of the stuff would have happened on day one or day two. Um, but because of COVID and because of the flat cap and not being able to have a UFA uh, talking period before everything, it's just kind of been kind of crazy for the past five days. It. Yeah, and it's hard to keep up with um, to actually do work because it's all happening on weekdays and I'm still trying to do work. Ugh. And pay attention to Twitter and pay attention to it's not even you don't even really have to watch it on TV anymore because everything comes through Twitter beforehand. Um, Thank God for work from home. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I agree. I'm the only (laughs) one in the office. So I just sit in the office with with Twitter up on one screen and my work up on the other screen. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. It's it's impossible. But yeah, it's been kind of crazy. And I, I think we're going to start, we've got a lot to go over, and I think we're just going to start with the draft because I think we hit it out of the park. It's It was one of the most exciting drafts we've had in a while. And and just, I mean, starting off with the, the first overall picks, uh, uh, the first round pick, I should say, number four overall. And I think what we'll do, what we'll do tonight is we'll just go through kind of uh, some of the stats of the people that were drafted. Uh, we've got a couple uh, things from Dauber and from The Athletic that we can go over to just kind of give recaps of kind of what the players are like. And we'll go over kind of the big ones, which I, are the first seven or eight picks. And then we'll just run through the last few because the, the Red Wings did end up picking 12 players in this draft. Mm-hmm. And I like I said on, on Twitter, I the was the most do- they've ever had. I don't know if it's the most, but it's up. It's got to be close. Yeah, it's up. Well, there. I mean, the the drafts used to be like a thousand rounds long back yeah. in the day, so I don't know if that's yeah, it'd be close. No, but I mean, like in the modern era, it's got to be it's got to be either the the most or the closest. Now I'm yeah. intrigued. It's up there, but I I would like I said on Twitter, I'm like I'm gonna do a Photoshop of all once once we're done drafting, we do a Photoshop of all the prospects in one thing. And then we hit 12 and I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm doing a Photoshop. That's way too much work and too much time to put into it. (laughs) And I've got other stuff to do. So, uh, like I said, we're going to run through the first, I don't know, seven. Seven is where I think we might hit impact-ish players. And then uh, we'll run through who the rest of them were and then go through the rest of our news. Because we've got buyout news and free agency and signings and a whole bunch of stuff. Which is an exciting time to be a Red Wings fan. This might be the best podcast we're we're ever gonna have. Don't say that. Only, yeah, come on. They've man. only had eleven. That's the most I've seen going back. I'm at ninety three. Oh, is this the year? Like ever? They had twelve picks in the ninety three draft. There was also a eleven rounds. Wow. So they have to go back to all the way to ninety three. The last time they had twelve picks. That's impressive, actually. That's really Ooh, impressive. 1989. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14 picks. Okay. Well, who, who, who was drafted in 89? Uh, was it uh, uh, first do, overall? Do, do. No, for the Wings. Who they picked? Multiple hell of a players. Fedorov, Lidstrom, Vladdy. Born in Dallas Drake. Bob Bugner. For those out there. Anyways, yeah. continue. That's the year I was born. I was born in 87. Uh, so my, year, my draft year, oh, I didn't have shit that year. 
Your draft year was trash. My draft yes, year was it, probably trash actually too it was. because they lost in the Stanley <laughs> Cup final. What were you born? Ninety four. Were you born in? Uh, were you born in two thousand nine, Tyler? Oh. <laughs> so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through the first seven or so players that I think will be NHL players at some point in their career, and then we'll just run through mm-hmm. the other ones. Yeah. So of course we'll start off with uh, number four overall, and we just we had some people on a Zoom call, and it just exploded. Because it's what we hoped would happen. It was either one of Lucas Raymond or Marco Rossi, and the Red Wings picked Lucas Raymond, number four overall, five foot ten, hundred and eighty-three pound right shot winger from the Frolunda Indians in the SHL. So if we want to go through his stats, in 2019-20, he had four goals and six assists for ten points in 33 games. Now, we if you'd listened to a couple podcasts ago, he was only getting about nine minutes a night because the SHL mm-hmm. favors veterans. So sheltered, he was sheltered, if you will. Yeah, he was played in in certain situations, low minutes, but his impact in those minutes, his Corsi was above fifty, like consistently, and he was very good in the limited amount of minutes that he had. Uh, and then this season, twenty twenty uh, twenty one, so far, uh, I watched the game today, so it's now six games played. Oh, did you actually have that on today? Nice. Yeah, two goals, one assist. How'd you have points. it on, Greg? Just um, out of curiosity. Through a a website on the internet. Totally legal. <laughs> okay, next, totally ne- next legal. Time, I'll text ne- next you time, later, let Tyler. me know. Yeah, yeah. Next time, <laughs> let me know, just because. I'd but, rather watch that than these baseball playoffs. That's uh, for sure. Got to hit up that Lars Thorsol or Thornsol. He's, uh, uh, he's I've all got all it the, for you too. I've got it for you. But it was at uh, the games are nice too because they're in the morning, so like you can watch a game yep. at like eleven o'clock, hmm. and it's it just watch you. I mean, it's Swedish, so you don't understand a damn word, but it's just <laughs> fun to watch, and you just listen for the names being called. So six games played now, two goals, one assist, three points, but he did have the shootout winning goal today that so. counts in his regular season stats really i saw someone post that today i think it was the detroit Wings prospect twitter handle shootout goals count as a regular season the, goal that really oh, that's that kind of sucks doesn't it <laughs> i mean it's good I mean, for the player it pads your see, stats but i would agree with see if it's it's like if it's the game winning shot if it's the last one of the game well i, I, I tend to agree okay. with that so I, I agree to it to the point where if you get a penalty shot and you score, that well, yeah. counts as a goal. So in the shootout, it's almost the same thing, I guess. Right? It, it technically it, it does because your team wins by that goal. Franz Nielsen's stats would be so much better if his shootout goals mm-hmm. counted as actual goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the SHL counts shootout winners as goals and individual points. Huh. Well, okay, so now then the, he has... So he, because he had the shootout winner. Yeah, so then he would have three goals and one assist for four points in six games. So he is being played a lot more, which is good because he's now a drafted player. And, I mean, just watch just his highlights from the first six games of season alone. The kid is, I mean, he's going to be an absolute stud. I think he's going to be an elite winger. Uh, He's exactly what we need, a top-line guy. It'll be interesting to see. When he comes in, Iserman did say that he will he will not be in the 2021 season, but mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why starting off the 21-22 season or or partway through that he wouldn't get a shot because I think he's exactly what we need, and I think he'll transition really well. He's good at making space for himself, and he's fast. 
So and he's a right-handed shot. And he's a right-handed shot. Oh. So it's about time. It's it's very exciting. It is what a lot of the analysts and and uh, prospect people hoped we would pick because they said that Raymond could and our fans have, and yeah. Red Wings fans they did they nailed it. Yeah, and and they said that Raymond could have one of the highest ceilings of the draft. I mean, you could put Raymond up there with the same kind of ceiling as Lafreniere. Just Lafreniere was NHL ready now. He could play tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and the Rangers did sign him to his entry level he's contract. Say he's signed. He's got. A By the way, that jersey, New York. that jersey with the thirteen with the little accent on top of the E looks beautiful. Yeah, he's gonna it's, look great in that sharp. uniform. I must say. Yeah, but I think I think Raymond could at some point rival the the skills of Alexi Lafreniere. No, no, so, I agree with that. So. I was ecstatic. I mean, just love the pick. And he is, I mean, his weight is decent. I think by the time he hits the NHL, he'll be 200 pounds or so in a five foot 10 frame. He's not going to get any taller, but it's a stocky, bigger mm. right shot winger. So it's, it's if, exciting. If he keeps on this, the way he's playing, you know, he's going to be getting longer or higher minutes. I should say he's going to figure out how to use his current size you know Detroit's probably already in his ear. All right, here's what you got to do. Because what is it? All the SHL guys that the Wings have are likely staying there for the entire year because they of have their agreement. Yeah. That's because of the contract, correct? Mm-hmm. Or how it is. So you don't have to worry about that. As soon as the season's done, be like, all right, see you over here in a couple weeks. Start that off-season program and go. Yeah. Or he stays in Sweden. Either way, I don't think that'd be a bad thing either. Yeah, the, for the S- summer that is. The SHL season ends in March, and then you have playoffs. Um, Frolanda will be in the playoffs. They are a powerhouse team. Um, no, yeah, th- that could be interesting because if I preface the if uh, the AHL gets in, gets going, he could be back just in time for their playoffs. Sure, correct. Could um, he actually be brought in similar to like a college guy? Yeah, but uh, the. The feeling around the AHL coming back is not a positive one right now. Well, um, that's why I said if. Yeah, so we'll see what you see, happens. But the thing about the AHL coming back, like the ECHL has already pretty much announced that they're going to be coming back. Yep. So why wouldn't the AHL follow suit? Um, it's the same kind of situation. I I don't yeah, know the specifics, know. but a lot of the people around the AHL say they have a hard time seeing it coming back financials yeah and they are the ahl teams a lot of them are owned by nhl teams mm-hmm. so uh, it's them we've already splitting their money where the echl teams may be owned by separate people i don't know how it works no that's true too yeah but it's it's splitting money and and i just i know the east if the ahl i know the ahl is a very gate driven league the echl even more so so i don't know how they're coming back unless they do plan on allowing fans at all the games which the i know nhl is the same way though i know some will i know some will but it a lot still will not and i'll be interested to see how long they go before they say we're just wasting too much money and there's no yeah, way a group out of toledo the toledo arena sports incorporated is the ownership group of the mud hens as well as the walleye yep Interesting. So they are more individually owned, so yeah. they can kind of do their own thing a little bit. And you, if you look at it too, the people in the ECHL are making far less than those in the NHL and the AHL. So it is more costly to support an, an NHL and AHL team 
than it is to support an ECHL team. So that could be part of it. That is true, yeah. Now, can I just comment on um, Lucas Raymond real quick? You don't have to ask. You can just do it. (laughs) Oh, my bad. (laughs) Then I have to to edit out you saying, can I just comment on? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Lucas Raymond quickly, just like, this is probably the first time well, I mean, I guess last year as well, but this is definitely the first time where where I knew, like, I saw the wings. You know, Stutzel was taken at three, and and um, Byfield at two, and obviously Lafreniere at one, and then you know the wings were up at four, and you know the timer was up and stuff. And I mean, I, I had all the faith in the world that Stevie Y was going to take the right guy. And when when I heard that you know he was going to take. Um, Lucas Raymond I was ecstatic I mean and I know some people on Twitter are like oh well he should have taken a defenseman and this and that and the other thing you know what just have some faith in Stevie Y he's not Ken Holland he's not going to make stupid reach decisions and even if he does make stupid reach decisions he's going to own those and you know we already see what what Mort Sider is going to become or what we think he's going to become so I think Lucas Raymond is going to be a tremendous forward and uh, you know and it seems like a lot of other people think so as well um so did you did you hear about this pick while you were on the treadmill or while you were like (laughs) on the bench because (laughs) you like totally get it because you skipped out on us again you you ditched us you ditched us to go work out with your girlfriend twice this is the second time and jen called you out on your shit too yeah, literally. <laughs> I still have yet to comment on that because I, I need to form like an actual proper um, apology you know, because your so. tail's tucked between <laughs> your legs. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. I was in between um, squats and in between uh, what was the other thing? Uh, dumbbell step ups. That's what I was in between, and I saw that they picked Lu- Lucas Raymond. I was ecstatic. So. You couldn't have just taken one worst. day off. One day off, bud. <laughs> Well, I already promised her, so I wanted to come through with you the promise. Go every day. She wasn't interested in the draft. Like she likes the Bruins. Oh, she no, didn't want to watch. She was the interested in the draft, but I think she was more uh, inclined to what we're going to talk about later, which is free agency. Yeah, where Boston fans are insanely pissed off. But they, yeah, yeah, they are actually. Really I'm actually mad. more surprised that they're pissed off. To be honest, I with am you. not. So, so we'll move on from Lucas Raymond to uh, our second pick, number 32 overall, uh, William Wallander. It is uh, spelled Wallander, uh, as we know. A lot of times the W's are pronounced like V's. So I don't know if he wants to be William Wallander or William Wallander, because then you sound pretty <laughs> cool. But he's a uh, six foot four. <laughs> Left shot defenseman, 192 pounds. Uh, Last season played for Moto Hockey in the J20 Super Elite. Hello, Moto. Yeah, uh, 24 points (laughs) in 37 games. And if we look at William Wallander's scouting report, uh, so Yoki Nevalainen from Dauber did a write-up that says he is a puck-rushing defenseman with great size and skating ability, not the most natural offensive threat, but has good puck skills and decent shot, brings value to the team with excellent transitional play, has a lot of room for improvement in his defensive game and decision-making, projects to be a middle-pair defenseman at the NHL level. Um, I'm hoping for a top-two pair defenseman. Tyler, you're breathing into the microphone very heavily again. I thought I muted it. Uh, you did not. But, uh, yeah, so William Wallander, I like it. I like the pick. Again, you, you took a forward uh, very high, so your second pick at 32 is going to be a defenseman. 
Um, and again, a Swedish defenseman. So he went Swede, first pick, Swede, second pick. So we're becoming the Swedish house mafia again. <laughs> um, but okay see. with it. Uh, William Wallander, if we look at Pronman's scouting report, it says Wallander has intrigued NHL teams because of his significant athletic tools. He's six foot four and a good skater for his size, and it's possible the skating gets even better given he's one of the young players in the draft. When you see a guy his size easily closing a gap or rushing a puck up the ice, you can see how it translates to the higher levels. Uh, with his reach and feet, he is quite solid defensively and projects to make stops at the higher level. Wallander uh, has good flashes with the puck. I've seen him occasionally stretch the ice or make a very creative play from the offensive blue line, which is why I have his IQ at 60. So there was a reoccurring theme in this draft with Steve Eiserman where he took very high hockey IQ players, people who think the game that uh, you could describe as being two steps ahead of everyone else at all times. And I think this goes back to one of Eiserman's pre-draft interviews. I think Max asked him the question, and it was funny at the time because Max is like, uh, do you look for any characteristics and all like that you want all the people you draft to have? And Eisenman yep. said, yep. And he's like, you want to tell us what those are? And he goes, nope. nope. <laughs> so from this draft, it looks like what he was going for was high hockey IQ and defensemen that can get the puck out of their own end. So that that's the thing on uh, Valander. It looks like he can be. I'm hoping he is a top four defenseman. Yeah, and the biggest thing you look at too is with some of these picks that he made. Going to your point of high IQ, but also guys that can just flat out skate and play. Absolutely, and also bigger guys too. It seems like yep, the defensemen were bigger. You look at a pick yep. like this, and the first guy that comes to mind to me is a guy like Victor Hedman or Sergachev. You think of Tampa's D and the size yep. and the way that they can move and how smart they are and what they are able to do on the ice that's effective and difference-making. Now, is that going to play out this way? Who knows? But you kind of get the sense of what it is that he's looking at. Just look no further than Tampa. Yes, he's yep. two years removed. I get it. But it's same that plan. Is the, like, that's the base, it's the basis. Yeah. Baseline. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last two Stanley Cup champions, too, I mean, look at St. Louis's decor last year. You know, they had Petrangelo, Bomeister, um, you know, a bunch of big guys, Pareko. Pareko. And then you look at Tampa Bay as well. And, you know, Sergachev, Hedman, Bogosian. Not that he drafted all those guys, but, you know, big guys that can mm-hmm. skate. And, I mean, not that Bogosian's great, but, I mean, you get the point. You know, big guys Madonna, that can skate. It seems uh, like Shattenkirk. it's it's more of like a copycat league, you know, where, where teams, you, you know, they see a team with a lot of success and they just kind of go with that. I mean, and well, Eisenman obviously built the lightning. So, well, I mean, even, even at that point, you go back to the wings golden years, especially in the yep. late mid to late nineties, look at the defense that they had. I mean, granted, okay. They had hall of famer, Scotty Bowman at the helm. So he enforced this, that if you're on the ice, you're, you're skating and playing defense, you're doing this and that, but the defense was involved and they were aggressive, and they also still play defense. Yeah. So that is – you kind of see or get a feel of what's happening here the last two years in particular. Yeah, so I think that loading up again on what, what I would consider would be a top defenseman. And like I said, I don't think that our defense is in as bad a shape as our offenses right now, our pipeline. You mean prospect-wise? Yeah, prospect-wise. 
but it, it with this draft it is uh he's stocked up on some good forwards too which we'll move on mm-hmm. to number three our third pick number 51 overall theodore niederbach who is uh also just tearing it up right now um over in the frolunda j20 team so we're now oh yeah we are renamed to the frolunda red wings that's the new team's name. Um, it, the The logo is offensively an Indian, but it's 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 where we're getting our players from. So Niederbach is five foot eleven, so under the six foot mark, one hundred and seventy two pound right shot center. Uh, his nineteen twenty season, which I don't think it was a nineteen twenty season, unless he missed the season before. Niederbach missed an entire season with a knee injury. But uh, what I pulled, the 1920 season in Frolunda J20, 15 goals, 33 assists for 48 points in 40 games. In the 2021 season so far in five games played, uh, or in uh, 11 games played, sorry, he has five goals and 14 assists for 19 points. So uh, his scouting report from Yoki on Dabber, an extremely smart and skilled offensive player with top six upside. A pass-first type player with high-end playmaking abilities. Natural center, but there are some concerns about his ability to play down the middle and the uh, at the pro level. A difficult player to evaluate because he, he missed the entire 2018-19 season due to knee injury. Pronman says Niederbach was a leading scorer in the Swedish junior circuit and an important player for the U18 team. Niederbach's a very uh, smart offensive player. He makes a lot of plays and is someone you want with the puck on his stick. With his club, he was often asked to set up behind the net on the power play. And with Sweden's U18 team, he was a half-wall guy making a lot of plays from both spots. So he graded him a 60. I believe the highest you can get is an 80 or a 70. 20 to 80 scouting. Yeah. Yep. So he does it on an 80-point scale, and he gave Niederbach a 60 on his puck skills. And watching uh, some of his highlights from a few recent games, that is uh, completely fair. It says his main flaw is his very average foot speed, which he can work on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get him into some of the uh, newer speed and uh, skill training stuff that they use. But, uh, I mean, he's just, I mean, smaller because he's 5'11", just very skilled center, which is what we need because our center depth is atrocious. So, yeah, absolutely. And the biggest thing is all three, these first three picks you're talking about, for one, they're all familiar with each other because they're Swedes. They've been under the same coach and Magnus Havlid, the Sweden's U18 team, uh, team coach. And But the takeaway is they all have good hands and are skilled in tight and being able to make plays that are effective on the ice. And again, and that's really where the game's IQ. going too. Yeah. Yep. And the high hockey IQ. High hockey with IQ. The pu- but the consistent theme with those first three picks was puck skills, like the main yep. focus. Absolutely. So that, that's huge. I mean, you look at the roster now, you have Stonehands, Darren Helm. You got Luke <laughs> Lundenning that is only effective within two feet on a backhand. So after Mantha, Burt, I mean, they got a little bit more room there because Zadina is going to be an everyday guy. But, yeah, it's not good. But we'll get into the hopeful upgrades here later on. Yeah, which I mean, we can move on to our fourth pick, number fifty-five. Well, I must just say one one other thing. Another right shot. I mean, when was the last time yep. we've had a ton of right shots on this team? You know, I mean, it's it's been a while. That weren't defensemen. Go back a now? long way. That yeah. weren't defensemen. Yeah, you have to go back to like the Eisenman, Shanahan, McCarty, for, for Hall days. Yeah. yeah. 
Because I mean, you go yeah. back to that time frame, you're thinking Dougie Brown, McCarty, Lapointe. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyways. Well, Eisman and Shanahan, well, Eisman, Shanahan, Brad, Brad Hall. Then I yep. had guys like Vladdy, anyway, Chelios going back. Anyways, go, go ahead, Greg. Sorry. Well, then we'll switch hands, I guess, for for our fourth pick, <laughs> number fifty-five overall. The Red Wings picked up Cross Hannes, uh, six foot one, hundred and sixty-five pound left shot winger. Played last season for the Portland Winterhawks in WHL. Twenty-two goals, twenty-seven assists for forty-nine points in sixty games. The scouting report on Cross Dauber, I couldn't find a report on him, but Corey Promen says Hanas is a very or Hannes Hanas. I don't know how you want to say it. He's from Texas. Hannes, I believe it is. Sure, it's Hannes because he's from Texas. Yep. Is a very talented player who's a bit of a uh, divisive player among scouts. He didn't have the best statistical season, but he played on a deep Portland team and was often on the second power play. I like him because he has high-end skill and high-end offensive intelligence. There it is again, the hockey IQ. His ability to beat defenders with creative plays is clearly NHL quality. He made some of the most skilled plays I saw from anyone in the class this season. Hannes can get too fancy at times, but I like that he tries to make things happen. He sees the ice well, running the half wall effectively on the man advantage and making some very creative passes. Uh, his warts are aver- oh, his warts are average foot speed and compete levels. He's just okay off the puck and won't be a guy you want in a tough defensive situation. I would bet on him due to his skill and work on the rest. Uh, Pat Ferschweiler, coach of the USA Halinka Gretzky U18 team. Shout out to Pat. <laughs> on Hannes, he's got a dangerous offensive stick. He has the shot to put it in the net, and he can make plays to a teammate. He's a competitor, which mm-hmm. is funny because Pronman says uh, he has average compete levels. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, take that as you so- will. Someone's lying. Well, Ferschweiler, if you you Red Wings fans don't remember, is the guy that uh, I was it that Pierre Maguire confused in? for yeah Jeff yeah Blaschel? that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and the guy that came in here and couldn't run the power play, so they demoted him up top. You mean the there. first one that came in here and couldn't run the power play? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yep. Um, Cross uh, had a good interview. He seems like an energetic kid. He's from Texas, uh, so he's a U.S. born player. Again, I watching tape on him, he's impressive. He's an impressive winger that can score goals, which is, again, what we need because that's the other thing we're lacking. We're lacking center depth, and we're lacking goal-scoring wingers. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's a good pickup. I think he is one that will definitely make the NHL at some point, um, probably as a middle six guy. But another nice thing, and along with the theme on Elite Prospects, the very first sentence, he's a, such a gifted, creative puck handler. Yep. Guy's four got hands. Four. four for four. Hands and hockey IQ. Yep. Uh, so the next few we'll run through kind of quickly because they're, again, we as you go through the draft, you, they're less and less likely to make the NHL. But Don't our tell fifth that pick, to Henrik Zetterberg. Our fifth pick, number 63 <laughs> overall. 63 is still kind of <laughs> high uh, for picks, but... Uh, number 63 overall, Donovan Sobrango, six foot one, 183 pound left shot D-man from the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. He, uh, Kitchener. Last season had six goals, 24 assists for 30 points in 56 games. Pronman's actually, um, Yoki had a write-up on Sobrango that said Donovan Sobrango is a left-handed defenseman who has been playing on the right side for the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, to date, he has registered, and this was in November of 2019, 
has registered one goal and eight assists in 15 games played. His passing is top notch. He will deliver crisp stretch passes and seam passes. Hmm. Sabrango will often drive the puck up in the offensive zone. Almost every other shift, you will see him create a pinch. At times, shot selection can be a challenge, and he will shoot the puck into traffic on occasion. In terms of his skating, he always keeps his feet moving, displays solid crossover, and his hockey stops are NHL caliber. He will likely need a few more seasons in the OHL before he makes a jump to the AHL or NHL. He will be a second-pairing or third-pairing defenseman in the NHL someday and will be an asset on an NHL team's second power play unit. That's actually from Josh Josh Tesler from Dauber. Um Pronman said about the same thing. He was a big part of Kitchener's team who played uh, on both special teams. Mobile defenseman who projects to be able to lead a rush or close a gap effectively at a pro level. Um, wasn't sold on his offensive upside, but he makes a lot of clever outlet and enough creative passes uh, plays inside the offensive blue line for him to think he's an NHL caliber puck moving ability. So again, it's the same thing. It's puck moving, high IQ defenseman. Uh, because clearly Eiserman watched two games and said we can't get it out of our own zone. <laughs> so that's that's what he's doing. Is getting these defensemen that can make a good first pass, can make the outlet pass, can spring the forward. And again, Sabrango is a bigger guy. So that's a big, puck-moving, smart defenseman. Didn't he have, like, a is it an uncle that was a captain of a soccer team? Donovan Sabrango's mm-hmm. father is Eduardo Sabrango, a pro soccer player. Oh, father, not uncle. Yeah. There so it was. It's his dad. Pro soccer player, Eduardo Sabrango. Don't watch soccer. Have no idea who that is. So. I don't either. But um, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so again, um, middle could, I think they agree. Pronman and, and the, the guys at Dauber agree could eventually be a middle defenseman, middle pairing. Uh, and, that was, and that was the first pick of the third round. So that's where we're at for as far as uh, the numbers here. Yeah. So the sixth pick, number 70 overall, Emil Vero, six foot, 168 pound left shot defenseman. So another left shot D-man. He split. Hey, yeah, he split time in the TPS between Junior and Liga. Had one goal, eight assists uh, in 44 games played. His upside was that they said he was one of the best players at the U18 tournament. Uh, he was pro- They said he was probably one of uh, Finland's best defensemen. It seems like every draft that the Red Wings have, um, whether it was under um, Ken Holland or under Steve Eisenman, it seems like they take at least one Finn. Sure. I mean, Finland's become a, a really good hockey spot. Oh, so. no, I agree. I agree with that. I'm just I'm just kind of and it, and it doesn't seem like we've had really a good one since Valtteri Filpula. Yeah, um, the past. original one. Yeah. The original. Filpula 1.0, yeah. not Filpula current iteration. Yeah, well, yeah, not this Valtteri Filpula that we have, but uh, yeah. Yeah, they were saying that uh that Emil Vero was better than uh Vili Hanola who went number 20 overall to the Winnipeg Jets last year. So, again, his scouting report from Corey Pronman, Emil Vero, played a significant role with Finland's U18 team and was up in Liga all season. Vero's a high-end skater. His edge work is fantastic with the ability to walk the line at a high level and spin off the four checkers, speed to turn the corner on checkers on rushes. There are shifts where he looks like a no-doubt NHL player. Those shifts he'll close quickly on a check using his great feet, turn the puck over, and quickly rush the pass, uh, rush or pass the puck up. 
I've seen offensive plays where he looks like a difference maker. I've also seen a lot of plays where he causes the chance against for his team. His puck management is not the best. I've seen a lot of grade A turnovers when he's on the ice, making me question if he's a natural puck mover or more of just a great skater with okay offense. So Vero, uh, again, a bigger guy. Bit of a project, maybe. Could be a project. There are glaring problems to his game. But if he can button them up, you've got another mid to bottom pair defenseman. So he'll be a couple years out and he's got some weight to put on. So yeah, six foot one sixty eight. He needs to gain another thirty pounds. So well, you get to this point in the draft, and it's like it's it, you know it's a bit of a crapshoot. I mean, obviously you have the guys that you like, but you know you start taking flyers on guys that have you know some upside, and and you know obviously the like I said, it's more of a crapshoot than anything when you get to this point yeah. in terms we'll see, of impact because- players. It's, thir- it's a third-round pick. You know that Eisman's done well the last several years in the middle round, so it he could be a guy to watch in the next two to three years. Yeah, and so is oh, the no, next. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so is the next guy. And in, in, as you're talking, like, players that you're going to take a chance on, Sam mm-hmm. Stange, who they drafted. Is it uh, Stange with, or Stang? Uh, like Stang. a Mustang. Sure, let's call it that. I think it's Stange. I, it's, it's Sam Stang, we'll say that. Okay. Uh, their seventh pick, number ninety-seven <laughs> overall, six foot one, two hundred and one pound right shot winger, big uh, boy from the Sioux City Musketeers in the USHL. Had twenty-six goals and nineteen assists for forty-five points in forty-eight games. He is a. Uh, this is his second time in the draft. He went undrafted last year, mm-hmm. and uh, the reason is his production is up. He's tightened his game up. He will be playing for the University of Wisconsin next uh, next year. <laughs> Or this year, depending this, this year, on, yep. yeah, they're because they're playing, right? They announced that yeah. the h- hockey's coming back. He was actually at yeah, practice when the call came in. Okay. Did you see this video? I didn't see that. I one. saw when it. They, yeah. when they when they drafted him at ninety seven. He was at practice, and a coach came in with a phone and handed it to him. It cuts out right before they find out who picked him up. So that's the only bummer about the video. Oh. But pretty pretty cool moment. So Corey, yeah, Prime that was in, cool. Corey Promen says that uh, Stang is a good USHL season as a re-entry draft eligible and was one of the better forwards in the league. He can do a lot of great things inside the offensive zone. His shot is fantastic. He can ring a shot off iron from almost anywhere in the offensive zone. Uh, like a lot of great snipers, Stang arguably leans on his shot too much, getting too, uh, too perimeter and lacking some drive and ability to create around the net. I don't think he's soft as he does compete off the puck. On the perimeter, he's great because of his shot, and he also shows great vision and ability to find openings. NHL scouts say he's a great skater. I personally have never seen that. I've always thought his speed and pace were average, but many evaluators say I'm off in that area. And, I mean, limited video that I've seen, I would side more with Pronman. It's average skating ability as opposed to high-end skating ability. But the points are there, and that's what I think looks looks good and, and again he can shoot it from anywhere on the ice in front of the net so and and that's huge he, he's got the size down already he's six one two oh one so if he puts Mac the rest truck. of that together like that's this could be and he, he's playing big 10 hockey yeah we already know that yep. usa college hockey has really taken a step up in the last several years so if he can make a foothold especially with wisconsin big programs now a yeah huge program like the He's another one to keep an eye on. Like in the next 
two years, maybe depending on, cause we know this roster is going to be completely different as it is. So maybe he's a depth guy or he's, he's knocking the door and jumping into Grand Rapids by that point. Is Cole Caulfield playing for Wisconsin? Yes. Yeah. He should yep. be there. Yeah. He'll, yeah, he's I going think back he'll for stay one there. more year. Yeah. Huh. That'll be good then. So that yeah. should be interesting for him. And the, the, the other thing I want to say about him, and, you know, you look, another right shot, another right shot, another guy that can shoot the puck. And, I mean, hey, you know what? Playing Big Ten hockey, I mean, it seems like they're going to play sometime in November. Hockey. So, I mean. Is that what they're <laughs> Yeah, I believe so. Sometime in November. So, I mean, I think they're coinciding with basketball and doing kind of the same gotcha. similar thing. With Arizona so, I mean, State. Yeah, I, I did see something something like that. So, I mean, but another guy that can shoot the puck, another guy that, uh, that they're taking a flyer on, not the greatest skater in the world, as you were saying, but, um, you know, hopefully he can become a guy that can be relied on upon the power play or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, could be a special situations kind of guy. Right, I mean, you right. got uh, Darren Helm is relied upon on the power play and penalty kill, but not much else. So, yeah, we're um, really hammering home the Helm love tonight, aren't we? <laughs> I I think he could go in any day now. Uh, he could be traded, but Oof. and people will hate me for saying that. And Spicy meatball. I, I don't care. It's I don't know why what the big love is for Darren Helm. He's um, pretty. The guy works hard. And, he and works say, extremely but, hard. That's why everyone likes him. Sure, but doesn't almost every other <laughs> NHL player, and that's why they're in the pro league. But he, And if you bring that up to them, you say you just like him because he's pretty. They yell at you. So, um, <laughs> Don't tell my wife we, we said that. So uh, the last one we'll go into in a little bit of detail is their eighth pick, number 107 overall. Uh, Jan Bednash. Who is a six foot four, hundred and ninety six pound left catching goalie? Played in the Czech League last season for two teams. Uh, his first team, thirteen games played, he had a four three nine goals against and an eight eighty four save percentage. Can we his, just go back to the name real quick for those that can't see his name? <laughs> say, yeah. say it again. Say it again uh, for me one more it's time. Jan Bednash, and his actual full first name is Yaroslav. Um, Where the fuck do you get Jan from that? Uh, J A N. B E D N A R. Uh, Bednash. Bednash. Not Bednar. Uh, not, not, Bednash. Not like Jared because Bednar. there are a, a bunch of um, accents <sighs> and stuff. And I don't understand the Czech language, but I was corrected, and that's how you say it. Um, yeah, Yaroslav Only in the Bed- Czech Republic is B E D N A R spelled, said Bednash. So it's uh, Yaroslav Bednash, six foot four. 196 pound left catching goalie. Uh, for team one, 13 games played, 439 goals against, 884 save percentage. Team two, 24 games played, 326 goals against, 873 save percentage. Not great. Hmm. Now, the thing with him. He's big, though, though. He's big. He's athletic. He's mobile. He is what a, a, a lot of people are saying that he's will no doubt be an NHL starter. It will be a while before he gets there. Um, elite prospects as his athleticism and raw toolkit are among the best in his class. He'll post high flying free wheeling saves with windmill glove and losing splits that will wow the crowd and get the job done. There's no save too out of reach for Bednash to make and no contortion. He's not willing to attempt to knock the puck away from the crease. He shown in um, international play. 
he played one game apparently this season for the Czech Republic under 20 um, mm-hmm. w- where he uh, had a one goals against average and a save percentage of 958 um, in the U18 international 2018-19 three games played 217 goals against with a 928 save percentage it seems this 2018-19 season was better than his 19-20 season um, but he moved around a little bit so I don't know what's up with him. He had a down year last year, but he looks good in international, which is important. Uh, what does Pranman have to say about him? Uh, Bed Nash is a very tough evaluation case. He has a six foot four frame and a high end athleticism that can make you a believer. On his best night, he looks dominant with the ability to steal a game at the NHL level. His ability to get pucks across the crease for a goalie, his size is fantastic. And he can make some real highlight real saves, but Bednash can be a bit all over the place in the crease. He tracks pucks well through traffic, but his reads on passing plays are average, and he is out of position a bit too much. He has played against men for most of the past two seasons, so he may have just been in over his head, but his consistency has been a significant issue. NHL scout on Bednash, the size and athleticism are hard to find. His reads aren't great, but his tracking is good. He showed what he could do versus his age group more than when he played against men, Sounds like Peter Mrazek, but um, that is yet to be seen. But uh, the goalie pickup, the only goalie we drafted. I'm surprised they didn't go more than one goalie, to be honest with you. They've got so many in the system. I'm not. We have a lot. Like, they really do. It's Let's see. I had it up here. Uh, Let's see off the top of my head. Wait, ready? Go for Uh, it. uh, Philip Larson. Keith Petrozelli, Jesper mm-hmm. Eliasson, Victor Bratstrom, Joran Van Pottelberg, Carter Guylander. Where is Bratstrom? That's true, and there's more too, I believe. No, that's no, it. Besides got... Caden Fulcher. Yeah. And Fulcher, yeah, that's what you I was forgot Van Pottelberg. No, I said Joran Van Pottelberg. No, he had, he had Oh, he did? Yeah. I missed that. That's... I was looking for I was looking Is for he Bratstrom, ever going to come over, by the way? I think at one point he said he d- didn't have interest in playing in the AHL, so probably hmm. not. That's nice. Uh, he's in the Swiss League right now. He's actually really good in the Swiss League. Yeah, but yeah, he is. We technically have seven goalies in our system. I would not count Caden Fulcher as a prospect because he won't make it past. If he makes it to the AHL, won't come to the NHL. Yeah. But it's uh, six goal, six actual goalie prospects. If you take out Van Pottelberg, that's five. That's still quite a bit. And now you add in uh, Bednash. So... It's good. I mean, we have a definitely decent, enough. Yeah, yeah, a decent goalie pipeline, and Petrozelli mm-hmm. is actually improving quite a bit. So, and they need it. Now, if we run, he's through... going to play at Quinnipiac again this year, right? Mm, it would be a senior year, I think. So yeah. probably, yeah. yeah he, so I, I mean, it, it's so. where he has to play. Uh, so if we got, uh, if we go through the last few, and and I'm just going to name them off with their position. We'll touch on a couple historical aspects, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, with their ninth pick, number 132 overall, Alex Cotton, who's a defenseman. Uh, Cotton had a year that totally flipped uh, his game. He went from, I think he's the one that went from having like six points to having like 42 points uh, in one Yeah, season. he had one of the best seasons uh, out there. Yeah, so he might have been one that just, I mean, something clicked and he just got it. So that was a pickup uh, for number 132 overall. Our 10th pick, number 156 overall, Kyle Aucoin, defenseman, son of Adrian Aucoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so a good pick up there, another defenseman. With their 11th pick, number 187 overall, uh, hey. Chris Draper got to call his son's name Keenan Draper, who is a uh, winger. And then 
our 12th pick, number 203, Chase Bradley, who was also a winger. Iserman got asked, uh, of course, about the potential nepotism in uh, Draper picking his son. And Iserman basically said, I trust Draper. Uh, Draper said all the scouts basically kept bringing up Keenan's name around that pick. And Iserman's uh, uh, like, well, better be the right pick. His job depends on it. So yeah, people's jobs are on the line. I think is what he said. Yeah. So it's uh, I have no problem with throwing. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're you're throwing darts at a dartboard, but the dartboard is a mile away. It's dark outside. People are firing at you. If he so, comes anywhere near his dad, then you know he, there's a chance. His so his game has also Keenan. To be fair. Keenan Draper's game has also improved. He had a, and everyone will bring this up, he had a four-point game. They're not wrong. He did have a four-point game um, recently. So uh, he will also go off to college. And it's just, I mean, it's cool. It's Where is cool he game. going to school? Uh, hold on. You know, I had that up and I closed it. I had his page up and I closed it too because I'm like, it's Keenan Draper. Which we're just going to Is it Wisconsin? Uh, but I'm just like, oh, we're going to talk about him. We're going to say he's Draper's son and we're going to move on. But then Tyler's got to ask questions. No, St. he's going Andrews to college. No, no. He's going That's to Miami University of Ohio. That's right. He is committed to go. That's actually Miami. a pretty good hockey school. too. That's going to so. be huge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right now he's playing for Chilliwack in the BCHO, which is where uh, Dennis Chalowski played. Yep. Um, but yeah, next year or this year, he will be playing for Miami of Ohio. Which That'll be good college. growth. Yeah. yeah, they've they've been a top program the last several years. Really going back to the last ten, he's only eighteen years old. He'll be nineteen in February. So I mean, if he even sniffs the NHL, that's a that's huge success, right? He's what he's six foot one eighty seven, so he's got the size there. You know, he's got the work ethic. Hopefully, and I mean, if anything, he could be a solid AHL guy. Throw him on the grips, yeah. let him tear it up. Who cares? Then let him wear thirty three for a game in, in Detroit. Yep. So that wraps up <laughs> the Red Wings 2020 draft. I uh, gave it an A minus. Iserman had a clear idea of what he wanted to do. Uh, he was going for high hockey IQ. He was going for bigger defensemen. He picked Lucas Raymond at four, which was the right pick. I was surprised to see Rossi and Perfetti fall that far, mm-hmm. but it was absolutely the right pick. So he had a clear plan. You saw it. the only reason it's an A minus and not an A is because where he picked a couple players, I thought there were a few players that were better, like a Tyler Tulio that that could have been picked, but instead the picks were traded, and those guys were picked like right after we traded the. Yeah, so I was keeping a, t- a close eye on the Dauber guys, and they were confused a few times, especially when Detroit yeah. was about to come up. They're like, "Get this guy, get this guy, get this guy," and then they didn't do it. They're like, "You didn't get that guy. Why didn't you do that?" Yeah. But- so it, it, it's it's hard to fight. It's hard to argue what he did, especially when you look at like we said. There's certain intangibles that almost every single one of these players have, and you can tell that the transformation's coming. Yeah, it's gonna be a couple Iserman, of years, but it's coming. Iserman knows what he's doing. I'm not going to doubt Iserman. I mean, he's he built the Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning. Like so I, he he passed up those guys. There had to have been a reason for it, and <laughs> and we'll just see what happens. Um, but we're going to move on to our next topic because we do have quite a bit more left to talk about. Hey guys, we bought it's out Justin Ablocator. Of an era. It's about fucking it time. Was, it, I saw it come I through. I am still amazed. I this I did not see this one coming. No, I saw it come through and I looked at the check mark and then I read it again and looked at the check mark and read it again and I'm like, 
holy no. shit, they bought the out team? Justin Advocator. And then someone fought with me about why they bought out Advocator, and I just basically told them to shut up. But... I was, where was I? I was with one of my friends who was a Bruins Were you at fan, the gym with knows. your girlfriend because no, you I was promised? Not, I was not at the gym, okay? I was with one of my buddies, and we were talking about hockey. He was hockey making a protein then... shake. <clears throat> yeah, I was making a protein shake. I'm going to superset that. No, um, so, <laughs> so I was... Uh, I was talking to one of my buddies and we were talking about hockey and, and I looked at my phone. I'm like, holy shit, we just bought out Justin Abdelkader. He's like, what? He's like, why would you do that? I'm like, because he had zero goals last year. Pecorino had more goals than him. And Jesus and Christ. he's like, he's like, are you fucking serious? He looked it up. He didn't believe me. He, he saw it. And I'm like, yeah, that's why they did it. I was so fucking pumped. Ryan, I thought of you immediately when I saw that. And I, I'm like, this next podcast, it doesn't matter what we do in free agency or the draft is going to be the best podcast that we've had in a long time. <laughs> I, so I, I think our text exchange <laughs> said it all. Yeah. We, I, yeah. I had to post a picture of it, but uh, the, the, the sheer excitement and like, Oh my God! It happened. It, it happened. Like no more air. I think no I more, put it no in there, didn't I? Yeah, you you started it. You did. And it just <laughs> it it kicked off just like the best. It's it's been the best period in Red Wings hockey for like the past ten years, and that's kind of what kicked it off. So the Advocator buyout, we will be paying him for the next six years. Yeah. Um, the twenty twenty one season will be one point eight million dollars. The twenty twenty uh the twenty one twenty two through twenty two twenty three season will be two point three one million dollars. And the last three seasons the cap hit will be one point one million. Now the cap hit is not what he gets paid, but that's what it affects the cap. I don't care. Uh no. Johan Franzen's LTIR is gone. Henrik Zetterberg's LTIR will be gone. Steven Weiss buyout ends next season. So I don't care. And I can't believe that's it's still going ends, on. Well, this season it ends. <laughs> and we could see another buyout too um, coming up soon because teams that have players file for arbitration get a second buyout window. Are so, you thinking Franz mm-hmm. Nielsen on that one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm Franz Nielsen on that one. Because the biggest thing that's nothing. Thinking, that's nothing against Franz Nielsen. No, it absolutely you know, just, is. <laughs> He's not okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm saying more as like a person. That's well, nothing against the great, guy, but, you know, it's, it's, time. Person, it's the contract. Listen, I don't think I've ever said anything bad about a Red Wings player as a person besides maybe, eh, maybe Jonathan Erickson. No, not as a person. He makes a brilliant <laughs> Bernays the sauce. and player. Yeah, he, <laughs> he do perfect English? Sure. I think the he's only thing I may have said English. anything negative personally about was maybe Andreas Athanasiu. Maybe. Did because you? his ego and just being yeah, a dick about a dick. his contract and all he that was stuff. kind of a dink, and so, that's that's the other thing people want clamoring for us to re-sign him. Those, we'll be paying Abby for six years, but we won't be paying him to play hockey, so that's a win. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, with you. Sorry, go ahead. And I think it was mostly I mean, for a roster spot. It's go ahead, Ryan. Reminisce about Justin and Advocator. I'll wait. I will. Thank you, Greg. No, anyway, Abby had 13 years. All right, that's enough about Justin (laughs) Abbott. Just like Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Erickson, they spent the better part of a decade in the winged wheel. So that part is a little bit bittersweet, but he was three years overdue thanks to Ken Holland. So on to great, bigger and better things. If that means that Giovanni Smith is now in the lineup, thank God, because he should have been there last year, but wasn't. Mm. So... Now it's just 
the guessing game for what's how's this top, this top 12 going to be. Which now it gets even more interesting because we will head Ooh. into free agency so far. And this Ooh, is where skinny. initially when Abby was bought out, I'm like, yes, it's Giovanni Smith season. And then free agency started. And I'm like, shit, I don't think there's going to be room for Giovanni Smith. We kind of kicked off free agency by signing Taro Horosi and Adam Ernie. Taro Horosi to a two-way one-year contract worth $825,000. Adam Ernie to a one-way one-year contract worth $997,500. Total depth for Ernie. Yep. Uh, it's. I think Ernie will see the press box most nights unless there's an yep. injury. Horosi, I don't think, will again make it out of the AHL unless there's an injury. We'll see what happens there. Hiroshi has shown some good stuff. He Again, he went on that run when he first came up. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really able to replicate it. Um, decent speed. Good passing ability. Not really a He's scorer. Smart, smart, smart guy. Player. But again, we're packed now. because if, a, pl- a playmaker on a team of playmakers at that time. So it didn't really work out very well. Yeah, because if we move to day one, which uh, Iserman got his wheels spinning early. The Detroit Red Wings signed Bobby Ryan to a one-year, $1 million contract. Bobby no, Ryan. 2012. No, but Bobby Ryan, who <laughs> won the award for perseverance in the NHL, who was then cut by the Ottawa Senators. And I, I saw that, and I think my initial tweet was like, only the Ottawa Senators would immediately buy out a guy who just won the award for perseverance for going to rehab to get over his <laughs> alcoholism and then came mm-hmm. back and like, did he come back and get like a hat trick or something? He had, four, he had three goals in his first game back. Yeah, yeah. He had a huge night. It was fantastic. Like it, so, it was actually a tearful moment to watch because it, yeah, the emotion on his face after scoring, it was just unreal. So you look at that and the Ottawa senators should be like, yeah, man, Bobby Ryan's nah. back. He's, He's scoring goals. He looks like Bobby Ryan when he first came into the league. Bobby Ryan, I, there was a story where, just to tell you how, I guess, bad his situation got, he was drinking, like, he would sit and just drink a bottle of wine. Like, a whole, out of the bottle. A whole bottle of wine. Jesus. Oh, really? So, I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then he goes to, he goes to, re- checked himself into rehab, admitted he had a problem, went and fixed it, comes back, scores a hat trick, and Otto was like, nah, thanks. We'll pass on you, Bobby Ryan. We suck, but we'd like to suck even more, so leave. (laughs) Um, So, Eiserman picks him up. Beautiful contract. One year, $1 million. And then you listen to the guy talk, and you listen to how he had the conversation with Eiserman, and basically all Eiserman had to say is, hello, I'm Steve Eiserman. And Bobby Ryan's like, yes, Mr. Eiserman, I will come play for you. (laughs) He talks about how his four-year-old, the big selling point was that there's free pizza, (laughs) <laughs> and it's like it's hard now not like Bobby Ryan might be like in my top three Red Wings players currently just because he's, just a, he's a solid dude. And if what's, he can. Did you catch what's really funny about how he talked to he doesn't know anybody on the wings, but Larkin only because of a roller hockey text group text message, a roller hockey group text message. Did you hear that part? I didn't know it was a roller hockey thing, but I did see that Larkin reached yeah. out to him. Uh, to yeah, tell him he that he would basically really help our, our our team win. And then Iserman didn't even know that Larkin reached out. Like, Larkin took it upon himself to reach out to Bobby Ryan. That's huge. Yeah. 
So well, Captain- the other thing is too is is he said he talked to Steve Eiserman for like an hour, and then you know he goes in the other room and tells tells his wife he's like, "Honey, we're going to Detroit." So yeah, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny too. I think that that's just it's a good story. Bobby Ryan, after overcoming so much, if he can reboot his, he's thirty three. If he can reboot like himself and get back to like vintage Bobby Ryan, where he was like mm-hmm. a really good player. I mean, that's huge for him. And I mean, I wouldn't mind past this season, keeping him on as a veteran guy and just seeing what happens. I mean, we did sign Sam Gagne for another year, but if, if Bobby Ryan can get back to playing real good hockey and Iserman said part of the reason, like Bobby said, part of the reason he came here is because Iserman said he's not going to plug him in on a third line and forget about him. Yeah. So that makes me feel like Bobby Ryan's going to be your second line winger. And it, you gotta think you, opposite of Zadina. If you've got, and if you're yep. gonna try Fabry, actually no. So your second line will probably be Philip Zadina, uh, new signing, uh, new signing Vadislav Nemestikov, and Bobby Ryan as your second line. Like, yeah, I mean, you got a yeah. full two way guy in Nemestikov, so it's, this could be that's that's and, huge. I mean, we'll, compared when you look at last year, that is a giant upgrade. And we'll get to oh, that. I agree. Um, but the second move made on day one was John Merrill. Uh, he played for Vegas. John Merrill, another one. One-year contract, nine hundred Hometown boy. Hometown boy. Yep. Pictures of him in Red Wings gear playing hockey. He said My that... father-in-law coached, played at Michigan. Uh, John when he was a kid. Really? Yeah, when he was younger. He's good friends with his dad. That's he texted really him when, cool. he, when he found out that he got signed. He was over here that, the other day. Cool. So we're going to have played to meet at up Michigan, with Michigan, Ryan. Go blue. If we, if we can get that connection, <laughs> I'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah, we'll because... go have some drinks at uh, Harry's with uh, John Merrill. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, but John, um, super happy to come here. He was one of the better defensive defensemen last year. He'll be mm-hmm. a solid guy uh, back on the D. Again, bolstering our defense, which was probably the worst in the league. Uh, but Six John, three, by the way. John Merrill's phone call was also kind of interesting. Basically, as soon as he heard it was the Red Wings, he said yes. He said that was the Red Wings were the one team that he would always hold out for and that if he got the call, that's where he would go. And he said that basically it's a dream come true for him. It'll be like stepping on NHL. It'll be like his first NHL game all over again, he said. That's awesome. Um, He said that it's basically it's his childhood dream to play for the Red Wings, and that's what he's going to do. He and, took a big pay cut too. Yeah, mind you, he's betting on himself. Yep, and he was. Eiserman uh, was even asked today at an interview. Uh, you're signing these guys with Michigan roots or some connection to the Red Wings. Are you doing that on purpose? Is that a reason you're signing them? And Eiserman's like, no, not really. He's like, if they have got Michigan connection, that's probably more of a reason they said yes. So, it's it's interesting. But again, John Merrill, a guy who would rather play for no other team than the Detroit Red Wings and just be extremely ecstatic to do so, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He's also got um, a pretty sweet mustache and a mullet. So <laughs> he is old school hockey to a T with his, his, his style approach. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. And again, boosts our defense, which is phenomenal. It's what we need. Is he a no so, visor guy? I don't know. He, no, you he's have only, to wear he's a visor. 29. He has to. No, you don't. He, he, yeah. He, he wasn't did. part of yeah, he's not. Do. He's not part of the grandfathered in. No, he's twenty nine. Tyler, Nicholas oh, Cronwall right. okay. had the, Nicholas Cronwall had to wear a visor. That so was yeah, only a couple gets, of years. Still got ago, Jimmy Ben and a few other guys. Jamie there, Ben right? doesn't wear one. Zach yeah. Zach Bogosian doesn't have one. Yeah. There's a couple guys left. Not many. So uh, day two. So day one, 
extremely happy. Day yeah. two rolls around. That's actually, before you jump to day two, less than $2 million spent. Yeah, and only one-year contracts. On two impact players. So you I, see... Well, yep. I, mean, I, I use impact loosely there. I apologize, but impact players for this type of roster. Yeah, and you see you see from day one what Eisenman's trying to do. Low cost, low term, guys that can help the team come back, but are not going to hamstring us, are not going to take up cap for five years. Eisenman's not spending big. And he said, mm-hmm. again, said today during an interview, there were no restrictions. He'd have no problem spending big if the guy was out there that was worth spending big and long term on. And I think he probably tried to do that, but it went a little south. And we can talk about that in a minute, too. But uh, day two. Thomas Grice, two years, $7.2 million. So there's your goalie on day two, who will platoon with Bernier, because out of Bernier and Grice, I don't see a starter. I see two starters. I don't either. Yeah. Um, Two fringe guys. Grice is... They do the job. Yeah, Grice's numbers overall are are better than Bernier's, but Bernier, towards the latter half of last season, just was killing it. Mm-hmm. So there's your 1A, 1B. Um, Iserman said today they're both going to get a lot. Of, like Grice is going to get a lot of playtime. So is Bernier. It's, you've got guys that you can run if, if they're hot. You can run them. If they cool down, you run the other guy for a while. So, again, two years, $7.2 million. Grice said the same thing. Iserman's got a plan. I believe in Iserman's plan. I'm going to Detroit. Yeah. So he, he won the Jennings last year, right, At, uh, with Islanders? There's a pedigree there. Last year. Was it last year? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Robin and Leonard it, and Thomas Grice in 2019. Uh, yeah. Yep. So he's he's got that running for him. I mean, he's 34 years old, but you now have a starter because Bernie is in the last year. So Grice takes you two years out, gives you a little bit of flexibility there. And you can see what you got in your prospects. Exactly. So, yeah, Grice was a great signing. Um, I was hoping to get one of uh thomas grice or camp talbot those are my choices you don't need to spend big yeah you don't need to spend big on markstrom which markstrom got a six by six deal which i still think is that's ridiculous ridiculous. yeah i agree Um, you know what the one thing about grice is i it's funny i saw grice play when the worcester sharks were in town and which was what five six years ago but he was here like back in oh Oh seven, oh eight, and he was playing, and he was a great goalie, and he ended up playing with San Jose and you know the mm-hmm. Islanders. He's a great story. I, th- I really, I really, I'm high on him. I like him. So you know, it's a stopgap kind of thing. And I think Prashanth said that uh, minus one year where he had an off year for the past five seasons, he's been a good goalie. Yeah, I mean he's not bad. Again, he okay, and he's a German, so German we guy, got yeah. Mo Sider a friend, <laughs> but. If Mo is back, which is unlikely since he's now in the Swedish league. Uh, but he, the Swedish league ends again in March. So uh, Just posted heard, a picture, too. First practice playing uh, heard, uh, Rogel. He's playing for Rogel, yeah. yeah. I heard yeah. something today that someone may have said that they don't see the NHL coming back until February 15th. Where'd that come um, from? Uh, I, I overheard that. it on NHL radio. Um that they January is a tentative start date, but the players are not happy because you just made them miss their entire summer and now you're going to make them miss Christmas. So uh, I could see them starting in February and because uh, in part because if guys are being loaned over to Sweden 
and have to play the whole season, you're going to have a, some of your top prospects miss quite a bit of development time. That'll be interesting yeah, because Batman's put been pushing the the t- January first start date. So sure, but initially they pushed the December first start date. Yeah, so, well, it was it was a lot of back and forth between J- December first, January first. Though yeah, I could see February. I could see March. I if you go <laughs> if you go February, they're not doing anything then. Like they're gonna do it's it's gonna be it has to be a shortened season. Oh, if of they course. Want to get back yeah. on schedule. Yeah, it would be yeah. a because they can't compete with this stuff again. Like no, right. and they already said they already said, and I I don't know if it was Bill Daly or, or who it was, but they already pretty much said that they want to get back on the regular schedule starting in October, ending in you know mid June yeah. or whatever. So I well, think to have a what would be considered a season, uh, you would have to play more than forty games. Um, so I think if it had to be like a lockout year, if you just do what they did and play 54, 54 games, I think 54 or 55 is good. If you can play 60 great. Um, but I, I think you could start in February or even early March and get a 40 game. uh, It'd be a compact schedule, a 50 game season in and enroll from there. And I would take it. I'll take a 50 game season and then get back on a normal schedule. Cause then again, you're playing still into the summer a little bit, but then they they would have that break. You'd still skip All Star break. You'd still skip bye weeks. You'd still have more back to backs. Which yeah, this could this could be a shit show because a week ago NHL.com posted Bettman talking about January one start date and his intent is a full season. Yeah. I think it'll be mid January full season if I, I had to guess. I don't know. I hate Gary Bettman and I don't trust anything he says. But uh, we'll move on. Uh, the yes. second part. Uh, so day two got even better when uh Iserman went out and grabbed Troy Stetcher from Vancouver on a two year three point four million dollar contract. Uh Vancouver was sad to see Stetcher go. Um Stetcher, only twenty-six. Yeah, Stetcher is a again a solid defenseman who has some offensive upside. Um but I think he easily slots in in your your top two pairings, which again are gonna get real crowded real quick. So by getting John Merrill and getting Troy Stetcher, that's a defensive boost, a big yeah, defensive no, absolutely, boost. Absolutely. You got some flexibility to move move guys around now, unlike before. Yeah, so you could play Stetcher with Heronic. You could mm-hmm. play John Merrill with Heronic. I don't, I, you might not put John Merrill on your top pair, but if you put no, I think Merrill is more like a uh, Nemeth down. guy. I think yeah. yeah, but you Merrill's more like a Nemeth type of guy. You yeah. want to play one of them with Heronic because Heronic's your offensive defenseman. So oh no, absolutely, I agree with that. Better yeah. option if we're going between those two, but we can get to that later. Yeah, no so, doubt. Yeah. So if you're looking at your top pair of of Merrill or Stetcher and Heronic, and then you're putting your second pair of Merrill or Stetcher with the Kaiser, and so the Kaiser's still alive. But, yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> your third pair is Patrick Nemeth and Mark Stahl. And then you've got your extra of Biega, your defense mm-hmm. is set until Cider comes over and then you've really got to figure out what you're doing. But uh, the way Iserman talked today, it sounds like Cider is going to stay overseas. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. Um, but again, maybe Troy he Stetcher. gets his nine games at the end of the year after SHL's done. Yeah. So Troy Stetcher, if- two years, $3.4 million. I like it. I do too. I, there's no problem with it at all. Yeah, no problem. I like Stetcher too. I mean, uh, Greg, I know we kind of went back and forth about that, but every time I've ever seen him play, good first pass. I mean, not the greatest defensive guy in the world, but I mean, good first pass, good on the power play. I mean, 
I don't know analytics well enough, but I mean, what does he look like analytically? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, no, but last season, uh, in Vancouver, he played 69 games. Nice. Had five goals (laughs) and 12 assists for 17 points. Uh, he was a plus player, plus 10. So that's good, which means he's good defensively and they don't score when he's on the ice. So, is it, yeah, his advanced stats, nothing Bomb too of a crazy. shot, too, if I can remember correctly. His advanced stats didn't have anything really too crazy, at least on cap friendly, from involving hockey. So I was going to go into that, but they don't really have a good Corsi form on here, so I have to check out Hockey Reference or something like that if they had something more. And in junior, he played for the famous uh, Penticton Vs in the BCHL. <laughs> <laughs> Never in my life have I heard of the Penticton Vs. No, Let's see. Either. Possession metrics with Stetcher on the ice last year. He had a 48-7 Corsi 4. So it's good. Eh, Below majority, 50, but it's good. But the big thing you look at here is last season, 60% of his starts were defensive zone. Okay. So, so he's he was relied definitely on more, to get the puck out of the zone. Yep. Where before that in 18-19, he was about 50-50, where he, and he had a positive Corsi over 50. So drive and play a little bit when he's on the ice but it's going to be all about his usage and that's going to be a huge you you'd think for with having mark Stahl, de kaiser nemeth you're not going to see him as much in the defensive zone so if he is paired with a heronic you might we might see him push and play more up in the offensive zone there so it could be it could really go either way with him so it's there's up upside but to be seen and i think that's one of the other thing with him is he's 27 right 26 26 yeah Yeah. 26 even better i think that was one of the things that was said about him was that he he has a good outlet pass and he can get the puck out of his own which is again what we really struggle to do so Mm -hmm. yeah and then today so day three or was that yesterday yesterday Yesterday. day Mm -hmm. three uh uh, vladislav nemestikov who came over from the colorado avalanche on a two-year four million dollar deal which gives you a center um, they said he has not played a ton of center since coming to the NHL, but last season his center play was actually fairly decent where he needs to improve his faceoffs. but they weren't absolutely terrible, but it, I, I think you put Nemestikov as your second line center. He's going to be mm-hmm. better than Valtteri Filippola hands down. Nemestikov will be the only Russian on our team. That's surprising. Right? Wow. That's right, right? Yeah, the first uh, Russian in a while too, um, since yeah. Datsuk, right? No, it'd be is... the first Russian since Alexei Marchenko. Oh, Marchenko! Mm. Yeah, but didn't did him Marchenko... and Datsuk leave the same year? No, did they? I would say the I last so. new Russian since Alexei Marchenko. But you've got oh. Svechnikov. Yeah, as I say, we have Svech. Oh, Svechnikov. but he's not playing. All right, Timoshov's okay. Russian too, isn't he? NHL. No. let's go NHL. Timoshov no, is not Russian. Finish right. <laughs> Timoshov is not Russian. I think we spent several minutes on Jesus this when Christ. we first. He's Ukrainian and Swedish. Oh, Ukrainian and Swedish. That's right. That's right. That's he's right. not Russian. Just because <laughs> they have "av" at the end of their name doesn't make them Russian. Just because they have "ski" at the end of their name doesn't make them Polish. Hey, so, well, ninety percent of the time, ninety percent of the time works every time. Uh, Vladislav <laughs> so, Vladislav Nemestikov is twenty-seven years old. Uh, yeah, last he, season, he played for the New York Rangers, the Ottawa Senators, and the Colorado Avalanche. Feels like he's been in the league do, do we, forever, doesn't it? Do we really count him playing with the Rangers last year. He played two games with the Rangers. So, I mean, he played yeah. with them two games. He had to go to New York. Uh, That's 20, true. 
he was uh, stuck in hell on the Ottawa Senators for 54 games <laughs> where he had 25 points. So that's impressive. And then Colorado, uh, he played nine games, had six points in nine games in Colorado. Uh, he uh, is also the uh, nephew of he had five points in 12 games too. Slava Kozlov. Yeah, he is yep. Slava Kozlov's nephew. Who apparently used to be in the locker apparently room. lived in Michigan too. He does, still does. His summer home yeah, he, is in, he still is comes in, here uh, in the commerce. Summer. Mm-hmm. His summer home's in Commerce, made, Michigan. He made the point that he grew up skating at the Joe. He's, his family's been around the area for several years because his dad, his, his, when his dad was playing pro here, um, he, they were in Michigan originally too. Yeah, and he said, in as a kid, he used to go around the locker room, get hockey cards signed by the players. Um, I mean, he's going to be happy to be home again. It's basically like, like I said, summer home is in Commerce, Michigan. That's probably about 40 minutes from Detroit around there. So he'll probably move over to the Birmingham Royal Oak Ferndale area and uh, be 15 (laughs) minutes from the arena. Uh, but yeah, Nemestico, I mean, great. Again, another, another interesting tidbit for him is his agent to no surprise is Dan Milstein. who was also oh, Datsuk and Marchenko's agent. Pretty much any big name Russian to like Kucherov and Vasilevsky to name a few. Yeah. Oh, he's doing great. He's gold, gold star. Um, gold star yeah, hockey, I think. Yeah, or gold, gold star. star, star like that. But I think Nemestikov, oh he's, he's a good pickup. And it's, again, if you play him at center, there's your second line center. And you can, I don't know, shoot Phil into the sun. I don't know where you're going to put him. Third line wing, whatever. I mean, they could trade him technically, couldn't they? Sure, they could, but you have to find someone to take Valtteri Filippola. <clears throat> and right now, I mean, teams he, are trying he help to help someone get... on a third line kind of it situation. Tyler, right now, teams are trying to get rid of players. So that is true. That uh, is true. But that has been free agency so far for the main roster. There's a few other smaller moves the Wings made, but. So today, in a press conference, um, Iserman, uh, basically it was a press conference about how free agency is going so far. Iserman had said that he may not be done yet. There's still a couple irons in the fire, depending on how things pan out. May do some trades to alleviate teams of cap issues while gaining assets. So he did not say he's done. He said there still may be a couple moves to see. He's got to wait and see what's out there, see what people are doing. But he may still make some moves. So he's not done. He did, he would not say he's done. He actually said the opposite. He said he's not done. Nope. I think I to wrap. At what position does he make now? Does trades. he even take anybody on? No, a trade. I he would have to get rid of. I someone. know, but does he, is because the the big thing is watching Vegas and what they do with Flurry. Now, do they just get in there and take tr- draft picks and capital? They just said that they're keeping Flurry and that their tandem is oh, going to be Leonard and Flurry. They, they, yeah, they can't. Did that officially happen? Who else are it, they trading? They just traded Nate oh. Schmidt to Vancouver for yeah, a third well, round pick. I just got a notification who said this here. They're still nine hundred ninety-four thousand. Uh, uh, Pierre Lebrun, yeah, Pierre Lebrun just just reported Vegas GM Kelly McCrimmon said tonight on media call that Fleury will be on the roster when camp opens next season, which doesn't surprise me since they missed their more favorable window to d- deal him pre-free agency. They've got to get and rid of Ellie someone Friedman, else. Elliot Friedman says LV not trading Mark Andre Fleury. It will be Fleury Leonard tandem. So that's well, then they're going to have be. to get rid of someone like Riley Smith or Jonathan March. So they're going to they have they're nine hundred and ninety something thousand dollars over the cap still. So yeah, that's one player though. I mean, um, 
but I, I think I'll I'll wrap free agency. We've only got one more small thing to go over after free agency. I just want to comment one thing on free agency. Again, you don't have to tell me you want to comment. Just start talking. (laughs) So free agency, I think just to wrap it up, I mean, I think that, you know, none of them were were any like, oh, my God, the Red Wings got this guy. But, I mean, I think, you know, the value. I think Bobby Ryan was. Yeah, I I, I sort of agree with that. You know, seeing the Red Wings get Bobby Ryan and, and even like, you know, Vladislav Nemesnikov, I'm like, oh, my God, they got Nemesnikov. But, I mean, just the volume of players that they got and then, you know, just kind of, you know, a couple of years ago, there was rumors that people didn't even want to come to Detroit anymore because of Mike Babcock and Ken Holland. So, I mean, it's nice to see that there's players that actually want to come, even though, you know, it's still a rebuild and still, you know, three, four years away. I mean, that it's really nice to see that. Yeah. And, and I think that was the, the other part that like people want to come here because mm-hmm. of Steve Eiserman. Detroit's a destination again, because Eiserman has a vision. He tell. He, I, it's and I joked about it, but I'm like his name is Steve No Bullshit Iserman, because he told the players exactly how they're going to be used, what he expects of them, and and what can happen, and and that's what players want. They don't want you to sugarcoat things. They don't want you to paint this beautiful picture of how it's going to be amazing in the city. They want to know how you're going to use them, how they're going to play, and how they're going to make their money. Like even and, even Bobby Ryan made it clear that he knows what he's coming into. And whatever happens, happens, because I think the point of the trade deadline came up and what he, if he got traded and this and that, but they don't care. They're here to play. They know that the, exactly. the team is young. They're skilled guys on the roster, and they, they're just here to try to help the, help those guys out. And it's Steve Iserman. It's, uh, people are saying it's the Rick and Morty meme where he says, hi, it's Iserman, and they go, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> so it's good. Um, just as an off topic, uh, Friedman uh. had tweeted the Petrangelo deal. Uh, seven years, eight point eight million in Las Vegas. I quoted it and said eight hundred thousand more than what St. Louis reportedly offered. Now Vegas needs an offload. Someone responded with, "So eight hundred thousand dollars is all it takes to put Petrangelo in the league's worst uniforms." So that's a <laughs> bit of a burn. I wouldn't agree because I think there are worse uniforms. Um, but Vegas's new ones are up there with the blinding gold. Hi, Taylor dude. Hall looks pretty good in the in the Buffalo uniform, I must say. Taylor Hall can suck it because he lied to everyone. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. I get why he's doing it, but he lied to everyone. So what? Do you, what? Do you, what do you mean exactly? Uh, he had said that he wants to go somewhere where they have a chance to win. He wants to go win, get a Stanley Cup, go to a winning team, and then he goes to Buffalo, which is a dog shit organization. The well, only, I think they offered the nine million dollars a year. I think that's matter. why he's going there. The only reason he's going to Buffalo is to play with Jack Eichel and up his value for a piss poor free agency next year. <laughs> because if you look at the free agents next year, Ovi's going to resign with the Caps, and then your list is no one. So what Taylor Hall's doing is he's going to boost his points, boost his stats, so he can go demand nine to ten million dollars next year. And he's got no trade, no movement clause. And he's he got will both not move. His, his deal. Nope. I would not move. Like, look at me. I moving. stayed with the team for a year. I have stability. Exactly. Unless you're moving to a place that says they are going to resign you to a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. It's the only way he will move. So one, he's putting the Sabres in a dump, uh, a terrible position, which is their dumbass fault for taking him on to do that. Because they said, we have hopes we sign him long-term. There's no way in hell he signs no. long-term with Buffalo. I'm surprised Jack Eichel is saying, I want to be in Buffalo. Because, it's, it's again, it's a shit. It's not a shit organization. 
it's a shit system that they're running. But it, the Taylor Hall thing pisses me off, and I'm not even going to talk about it because Taylor <laughs> Hall is not worth my time. Um, Taylor I'm, Hall's a bit overrated. I'm too, guessing that he also has a huge ego and is probably locker uh, locker room cancer. So yeah, will, everywhere he's gone, he's been dealt from. So absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I will end the free agency talk by what I tweeted, which uh, kind of summed up my feeling about it so far. I said, honestly, it feels weird. I haven't felt this good about the Red Wings in, what, 10 years? Exhilarating. Steve Eiserman has no quit and is making moves that it seems no other GM can. Wish he could have come here sooner, but damn glad he's here now. We're in the best of hands. And that's honestly yep. 100% how I feel because Steve Eiserman is a wizard, and I think he gets these guys at the term and price that he gets them at because he is 100% straightforward with him. And I think it helps that he's Steve Eiserman. But he tells them exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, and how the team's going to go. And Look at gets- some of the contracts he signed in Tampa. Exactly. Now I'm waiting for the Matt Barzal yeah. offer sheet, but we'll see what happens. Imagine that. Yeah, I, shit. <laughs> uh, Islanders, I think, are scared because they traded Devon Taves today uh, yeah, for, for two second-round picks to Colorado. Which, um, of course, the rich get richer. Why wouldn't they? Sure, but... I think they're scared that someone's going to offer sheep bars all. So they need to move some, mo- they have to move some money or at least at, not have to have so much. More look community. at Carolina last year, which we knew that was never going to happen. No, but. that was a dumb effort by uh, Mark Bergevin tried to play smartest person in the room. Oh, 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 the shittiest oh, oh. offer to Sebastian <laughs> Ajo. If we talk about offer sheets, Anthony Sterling's name pops up for me. Well, there's a few, uh, Devon Taves was one that people thought might be offer sheeted, uh, uh, Cernak was one they thought might be offer sheeted. Uh, Devon, or it's, uh, yeah, Anthony Sergachev. Sergachev. But they said there are some second tier players that you wouldn't have to give up a ton of picks for that are still really good players that you could offer sheet because teams are super tight on budget right now. But we'll see what Eiserman does, and that might be one of his other moves that he's thinking about. Um, I think the last bit of news that we need to get to before we wrap up is that Tyler Bertuzzi elected for arbitration. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to go to arbitration. And this may just be a tactic by Iserman. But in his interview today, he said that, yeah, we're ready to go to arbitration. We'll see what we can do with Bertuzzi on a one or two year deal. So um, <laughs> I think he's just like, yeah, bring it. And uh, we offered you. So there's a couple of things in play there. And rarely arbitration, rarely deals don't get done before players go to arbitration. And if they go to arbitration, it's a one it's a one or two year deal that you decide Mm -hmm. on in arbitration. And it's either that Bertuzzi is overvaluing himself and requesting too much money or term or Iserman is coming in and lowballing him and then saying, well, guys, it's 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 covid season. We've got a flat cap. I need you to take a break. Um, one of those two, which we know they don't need to, but it's no, no, they don't need to. None of these teams do one of those two. And, and I'm guessing it's the Bertuzzi angle and I'm, I'm almost certain they'll come to an agreement before arbitration. Cause I think they have until the end of the month. I think October yeah, it's, a, it's a one month. It's a one month. It's like November 7th, but is when that actually goes before the arbiter. Yeah. What this brings up or like what we brought up earlier is that when you have a, player who files for arbitration 
you get a second buyout mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And Within 48 I'm, hours of the decision. What I'm wondering is that did Iserman tell <laughs> Bertuzzi to file for arbitration so that they, because they made these moves with uh, w- with Nemestikov and Bobby Ryan and, and Troy Setcher, John Merrill, did, did Iserman tell Bertuzzi to file for arbitration so that he got that second buyout period? Because if Iserman's still thinking of making a couple other moves, you have to get rid of Franz Nielsen. And I'm wondering if he did that so that he could buy out Franz Nielsen. <laughs> Which would be fucking hilarious. Smart as fuck. It'd be one of the best things. I mean, it's just pure comedy. But I'm wondering, and I, Ryan, do you know if they still get that buyout period if it doesn't go to arbitration? I don't. That I don't know. No, I'd have to dig into that one. But everything I saw is that, yes, if it goes to arbitration, it is that is the decision that's made by the neutral party. That 48-hour window opens up. And they get that that point. Now, if it doesn't get there, the assumption I would have is that they do not get that option because so, it didn't make it to that point. So Iserman could say, listen, Tyler, we, <laughs> we really need to buy out Franz Nielsen. So we need you to go to arbitration. We'll give you a one-year deal. At like, I need to take this one for the team. One-year deal at like three and a half million or something. And then you just take keep it or do- leave it. You just keep doing <laughs> what you're doing. And then here. next yeah. year we'll give you your con- your five year contract or whatever you want at four million. <laughs> a little 4. bit more tap the button and go on your way. Yeah, give him an extra bonus incentive or whatever. <laughs> and I signing think bonus that would be like if that happens. If he oh goes to arbitration, gets his contract, f- and then they buy out Nielsen, fucking wizard. You know that's exactly what happened because yes, it absolutely is because Mantha didn't file for arbitration. Neither did Timishoff. Which makes you know And Mantha that- would be the one you would think would be the one going to arbitration, not Bertuzzi. Did you see did you see what Man- uh, what Stevie Wise said about Mantha today? Um, this is about him and him and Bert. Yeah, basically. Yeah, he that- said he expects to talk with Mantha's yeah. agent in the coming days. I'm confident we'll get a deal done. No, of yeah, course. And that's why he I, I think that's gonna arms. be a long term deal, to be honest with you though. You I think don't so? think it goes any longer than five. Well, that's a- what I mean. Somewhere around there. Yeah, it, but either be, way, you'd think that of all the guys to file, it would have been Mantha. Yeah, I I don't. I think Mantha's been working on a contract for a while because him and his girlfriend just bought that house. But it's it's interesting. And if that's what happens, if Bertuzzi goes to arbitration, gets the one year good deal. I mean, it'll be a good deal. It's not gonna be a garbage deal, but it'll be a good deal in one year. And then and, he buys out the buyout. It only be for four years. They're not gonna be hurting for space. No. Especially if the cap opens back up in the next two to three years, they're fine. So, which if, I'm sure it will at some point. If oh, yeah. that happens, I will. I will walk. I will walk from my house to Little Caesars Arena and just slow clap in in the Chevy Plaza. Chevy Plaza, yeah. And just, just slow clap because that's we'll, just send, we'll send flowers to the front door of LCA every day. For I will week. send Steve <laughs> Eiserman an edible arrangement. <laughs> Because that's just going to keep coming up on the show. We're just going to keep talking about edible arrangements until we get some kind of discount code or promotion. No free discounts. Why do we talk about these things? No free plugs. So good. I know, right? No free plugs. Chocolate covered pineapple that is shaped like a flower with just a little cantaloupe. Which is really funny about that. Chocolate covered pineapple was, I believe, an edible arrangement used in the boys series on Amazon. If you haven't watched it. (laughs) Highly suggested. I am Fantastic. four episodes behind. 
Oh, I'm, I'm, um, we just started season two. Listen, sleep training is not going great for the child. So I'm behind <laughs> on the boys. I'm caught up on Bob's Burgers, but I'm behind on the boys. Mm, I'm also yeah. caught up on Pen15. If you haven't watched Pen15 on Hulu, it's hilarious. Okay. Um, but the boys, I am, I am four episodes behind. So uh, nice. it is, it is an excellent show though. It's hilarious and very gruesome. And it's a very good dark superhero it uh, is story. I love it. It's Did great. you see yeah. the um, the um, Darren McCarty post a little bit ago on mm. his Instagram? No, no. It's a picture of him. I think it's one of the uh, Stanley. Uh, maybe it's the last day at the Joe. They had the Stanley Cup in the middle, and it's McCarty and Eiserman together. And Eiserman's like looking down with his glasses on. It says, "Love the look in Stevie's eyes." In the photo, looking photo of us, look at him just staring at the cup. He's working day and night to bring another one back to Hockey Town soon. I love Darren. We're gonna have to have him mm-hmm. on again soon. I agree. Work I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna shoot him an email tomorrow and see what he says. But we'll have to have him on tomorrow, or we'll have to have him on sometime soon. I'll um, post a picture in the group chat for you guys here. There yeah. you go. <laughs> but I think that's gonna do it for us tonight. I'm just gonna wrap up real quick since Woo. we are clearly way over on time. Ugh. Um, I just prepare for more moves. I mean, don't settle. Don't I'm not going to get overly excited. Don't get comfortable. Movies. Don't get comfortable, though. Well, because the second you get comfortable, Steve's going to pull the rug right out from underneath your feet. So I feel like it's going to be more depth moves than anything. Or trades. It'll be real interesting to see what happens. Um, but when was the last through... time this, this team actually made a trade? Like a real trade? A hockey trade? Besides Fabry. Besides Fabry. Yeah, besides Shit. Fabry. I mean, that technically was one. Yeah, I know. I'm saying besides Fabry. So you mean like a good hockey trade that was for players of substance? Yeah. Five, at least five years ago, Fuck. six years ago? That wasn't for a player in picks, right? Like maybe Bowie and Jensen? Oh, Jesus. Are you talking like good players? I'm talking like decent players. Hold oh on. Jesus Christ. They haven't made a real trade I in forever besides this. Fabry. Uh, Steve Tyler, Ott, no, why do that's you do not, this? That's not a pick. <laughs> Steve Hot, Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> no, he said a good yeah, trade. Kindle, oh, wait, my Mike Babcock. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember that time we traded away Matthias Yanmark for Eric Cole? I think uh, it, David Legwand. Not, so you're talking about not picks, right, Tyler? Not picks and not old grizzly Leg, veterans that for, suck. Jesus Christ, I got to keep going now. You're, yeah, we're going way <laughs> back. <laughs> Um, you're going to skip Kyle Quincy. We're not talking about that. You're just saying a player for player trade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Todd Bertuzzi. (laughs) That's sad. What's that? 2012? 2007. Todd Bertuzzi for Sean Mathias and an 07 second round pick, which turned out to be Nick Spalling. Yeah. That wow. that would be it because then like really it's the only be. other player for players they did the Andy only Delmore other one. for Riley Armstrong, uh, Oli Christian Tolfson for Vili Leno. Oh, here we go to that July first, two thousand one, Slava Kozlov for Dominic Hasek. There, there you go. That's the last a, real a, player for player deal that it, like. No, uh, I mean there's well in wait, 04, wait, you had Robert Lang for Thomas. Yeah, Schleister. that was the other one. And that first round pick that year ended up being Mike Green. Let's just put it then, this way. It's been a long, long, no, no. long time. The the last best player, players for players trade, the best last one, 1996. There you go. I was Brendan Shanahan saying. and Brian Glenn 
from Hartford for Paul Coffey and Keith Primo. Uh, plus yeah, the, well, plus the 97 the first one, round pick. But that's, that's a big, that's a huge trade. That's a because huge you think trade. Coffee and Imagine Primo that nowadays. That Holy shit. <sighs> No, that's that that those kind of trades don't happen really no, now. I mean, the last no. one that happened was the PK Subban for Shea Weber trade, right? Mm, yeah, right. The, straight up. Yeah, so it's in, it, it, it's not happening. But you've got to go way back for the Red Wings to that. But I need to do housekeeping before I close this out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So you can follow us on Twitter at Grindline Pod. You can uh, find us anywhere podcasts are hosted: iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Stitcher, except for SoundCloud, because I'm not paying for SoundCloud Premium. They can suck it. Uh, if you boom, if you go to Redbubble.com and search the grind line, you will find our shop. Thanks, Nate Burleson, for boosting our T-shirt sales. Uh, if you go, <laughs> it really to, fell flat all of a sudden though. We yeah, need to get, we need to get back on that. <laughs> if you go to Howie'sHockeyTape.com and use promo code Grindline at checkout, you get 10% off. And if you use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off. I'd also like to give a shout out to Founders, who is the official beer of the Grindline podcast, and congratulations to the winners of the Mosaic Promise glasses. I would also like to give a shout out to Upper Deck because they do give us a ton of stuff to give away. Second Deck. Yeah, they are awesome. Um, they're redoing their e-pack system. So if you are a card collector, um, you can actually buy virtual packs on Upper Deck's website. And if there's a card you like in that virtual pack, they will send it to you. So it's an actual cool way to get have a digital card collection and actually get physical cards from it. Um, oh, you can do that? I didn't know that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you can do that with EPAC, and it's a pretty cool system. You can get signature cards and everything, so it's really cool. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, again, this is a big episode. We went way over, but there was a ton to cover, and I'm assuming Huge. there will be a lot more. So we will be back next week, but that'll do it for tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>